you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Recorded at Improvention in beautiful Canberra, Australia, our guest today is the wonderful queen of improvisation, Patty Stiles. Patty is an actor, an improviser, director, and just one of the most inspiring people you've ever met. She's worked with the world-renowned Loose Moose Theatre and was trained by and worked closely with Keith Johnstone, author of the seminal improv book, Impro. Patty is the artistic director of Dynasty AU, co-director of Secret Impro Theatre and Impro Melbourne. She's traveled all over the world. She travels all over the world, actually, and is as sought after as any improv inspiration could be. I'd never before met Patty, but boy, did we share a lot of improv philosophies. And stick around for Patty's Not My Finest Hour segment. It's crushingly good. Enjoy. Dallas had a, a had a had a New Year's Eve party, and I was living in her coach house while I was right after I got divorced. And I was living in her coach house, and there was a New Year's Eve party that she had. And it's a very fancy party, and of course I'm in her coach house because I'm so I was I was the third person at the party. Mm. The first person was Pierce Brosnan and his wife. And you wow. walk in and you go, what's when? What's happening? Is this a costume party? What's, what's <laughs> happening? It's the idea of what's happening. Yeah. And you go, I, and, and that look where you go, I think, I think that's Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. That's Pierce Brosnan. And it's weird how the whole culture of celebrity and what that does to our brain, that you see someone and you go, is that really them? Because you see them playing characters and you see them in an environment with that, that we have these relationships and connections and emotions but it's not ever actually physically them. So then when you're in the room with physically them and they're not the characters, it's like we've got this history with that physical being right. that doesn't apply in that environment. It is like a dream. It's yes. Again, it's like a dream. And I always think the work that we do is closer to dream than it is to fiction, uh, to narrative, mm. because, I mean, certainly the work that I do, yeah. um, because you go, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my <laughs> Or if you go, yeah, the last thing we need is for Pierce Brosnan to, Pierce Brosnan, yes, and there's no logic, and you just say, "Okay, this is what's happening." This I I conjured it, and so it became. Yes, and I think that a lot of people have challenges with that because they really want there to be a logic to what it is that we're doing, and I'm going, "No, we don't have to have that logic." Yeah, I mean, even in narrative work, it it doesn't have to be logical work. Like it doesn't have to be so linear. Um, cause that's not the work. And, uh, I mean, if you read a Keith Johnstone play, yes, there's a story. Um, but you know, in, in one of his plays, they come by night, which happens to be a vampire play. Um, you know, you've got a master servant scene where, um, this servant is pretending to be, I remember the servant is pretending to be the deer so that the master has something to hunt and the master has, um, uh, long johns that are kept warm by, I think, um, like a, a battery cables. On a, if I'm remembering correctly, maybe I'm making something up now. Uh, but it's this beautiful master servant scene that's totally hilarious and ridiculous, but completely makes sense in the story because can... of the world and the status and the environment that's being created. So there is a logic, but it's not logical. Right. Right. And that it's not a typical, a linear. And assumed, but it totally makes sense within what's happening. Just like you know, any offer in any scene, if it's if it's relevant to the scene, then it's relevant to the logic. Right, right. 
Right, and if the characters accept it, well, of course, the, char- the way that the characters accept it is perfectly fine because that's mm. the way that they accept it. They accept it for they accept it for that. Yes. Um, boy, it takes it takes a lot of improv, or it takes a lot of scenes. It takes a lot of me thinking about. It takes a lot of scenes for me for me to have gotten. It took a lot of scenes for me to have gotten to the point where where I go. Everything works. Yeah. Everything works. Yeah. Everything works. Whatever it is that you say works, and and it's trust at the mm-hmm. at the core of everything. Just go. This is gonna work out. This is all gonna work out. Yeah. Yeah. Keith. Um, there's you know a lot of quotes because Keith taught me that I I like and I go back to. For myself, you know, as a reminder and also in teaching. And one is, it's not the offer. It's what you do with it that makes or breaks the scene. And we get fixated on the right and wrong offer. I, I've got to come in with the right thing. There is no right thing. There's just a thing. It's how everybody embraces, responds, and reacts to the thing that's either going to move things forward or not. Right. I look at it as the first line of dialogue doesn't set the scene. The second line of dialogue sets the scene. Mm. So... That is exactly, it's that, it's yeah. like, this is what I'm saying, this is how I'm responding, okay, we're doing that, yeah. that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think that you mentioned it yesterday in a class that I sat in on, um, where you used the word contract. You said it wasn't our contract. Did mm. you say that or did I, I imagine? Yeah, no, that? I did. You did. said that. Yeah. And I felt that's exactly what we do. We yeah. make a contract with somebody yeah. at the beginning. And all relationships are contracts. We Absolutely. all have an understanding and a contract. Yep. And I haven't thought about this in a really long time, but... The, when I was married, my wife and I had a contract. I mean, it wasn't just the marriage license or whatever the fuck that was. It was also the contract. This is who I am. This is who you are. Mm-hmm. This is this. We you have intentions and expectations, and I have intentions and expectations. And when I throw that off, um, the contract suddenly goes. What what the, what what are we doing? What's happening yes. right now? What is that? What's happening right now? Absolutely, absolutely. Which I think <clears throat> is so relevant to improvisation because. Um, there are different philosophies and approaches, which is great. You know, in any creative form, there should be a wide variety of what's going on because that's exploration. And we should be challenging and questioning and exploring and, you know, um, looking at the other and the opposite. And you need that or things go stagnant. And Or things go off the rail. Yes, absolutely. Um, but finding that shared contract when you're performing. So... If, um, if the show is X, then that's the contract. And if you choose to do that show, then that's the contract that you're choosing to do. And if you don't want to do that, then don't say yes to the invitation. And that's not a negative thing. It's just you going, here's what I enjoy doing and what I don't enjoy doing. And if I don't enjoy doing it because it's threatening, then maybe I can explore that in a workshop and I can learn why. But I don't have to necessarily do that work in front of an audience that's paying to see a show. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Although, <clears throat> although the, 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 the pedal hits the metal when you're in front of an audience and then shit gets real and you go, oh, because whatever is going to happen in rehearsal may or may not happen on stage. True. Um, Which then comes back to the contract of right. how you're agreeing to work together. Right. And right. what's the trust in that and what's the dynamic of that? And if that contract gets broken that's when you see a whole bunch of disconnect. Right. Because then nobody knows nobody what we're knows. doing. Nobody knows. What's this world? Right. What's going on? And here's another thing. All that you need is one person to make everybody ask, to make a group 
to have a cohesive yeah. group, you have a new person come in, and there is a moment of, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And then it usually goes, okay, we're bringing you into the fold. Or, yes. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's like, how come Tina got in here? And yeah. why isn't anybody dealing with Tina? Yes. Tina's fucking it up for everybody. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, I guess it comes down to how you choose to do the work. And, yes, and... Um, if you don't want to do the work, yeah. leave. And yeah. here's the thing about that. No hard feelings. I yes. swear to God, no hard no, feelings. None at all. And that when I say how you choose to do the work, that's for Tina and for everybody else. Yep. So for me in my training, um, you know, my, my underlying ethic with everything is make your partner look good. Right? And uh, in that, it's just awareness you know, so when you look at accepting an offer, that's making your partner look good. You know that. And if we accept the offer to make them look good, that gives people freedom to be creative. Right. Because they what don't is, have to struggle with being original. Mike, they can just be. I heard you say that yesterday. And uh, what, I, what I needed was a definition of looked good. And that will change depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. So in the example that you gave with Tina, Tina's coming in and Tina's new. Well, if she's coming in and she's new to the group and we've invited her in, then it's kind of our job to help her step in. Right. Right? Right. So the making her look good might be simply connecting before the show. It might be providing more space on stage. It's watching her body language to see, is she stressed? Is she comfortable? Um, it's if she's avoiding starting a scene, um, you know, quite often at festivals, um, and especially if you get international guests where people are worried about language, you know, I'll watch and if I see someone on the sideline, I'll grab their hand, I'll run on stage with them, I'll sit them in a chair, and I might run off. Right? Yeah. Or I might just stand there and see what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. But I'm going, okay, come on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you out here because you are safe. Right. You are safe. We're going to look after you, so let's play. You're in this show. I want to give you a good time. Right. You know, and... Um, so the making you look good there is just providing space and opportunity, which is just creating offers. But underneath that, it's looking at the offers that are there, which the audience is going to know if there's a performer who's not involved. Right. And they're going to start right. fixating on the person who hasn't done anything. It's so interesting. Right. And right. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. So if the contract is we're working as a collective. Right. And someone's not in the collective. And... The obvious is that they're afraid because of language or maybe they're confused because of the show. Then that's the offer on the table right. before we even get into the scene work. And if the offer is that person's scared, then I feel my job as an improviser is to kind of extend the hand and go, let's jump. I, <laughs> I can't oh, tell you it's going to work, but I, I can say I'll jump. jump with you. I love the jump. I love the let's jump. Yeah. There's so much in there. I uh, 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 I, I've been calling it to be in service with for someone. Cool. We're really in service. I'm in service to you. I'm yeah. in service to you on every level Absolutely. of what it is that we're doing. Absolutely. And in order to do to be and that's why that's why we're able to go wherever it is. We're able to A go wherever it is that we want to we go so many places. Yes. We travel so much and we do so many and we meet so many people and I feel like so Nick Byrne, who brought us here from to, to Intervention in Canberra, 
he's in service to us, but I really believe that I'm in service to him. Absolutely. And I also think that he must think that that we're both thinking that we're in service to each other. And if we both think that we're, and, and so what does in service mean? In service, in service to this person means holding their hand. Yep. Making sure that they know, that, making sure that they know that I'm there for them. Making yes. sure that I know that they know that I'm there for them. So yes. making sure of all of that. Yep. And the great thing is the moment the moment I can, the moment I connect and being in service, I can't stop. Yes, because um, it it starts fueling this really positive um, domino effect. You know, um, if you're in service to someone, and I like that in service. Um, you know, if your if if your mentality is truly about your partner, then you actually see everything that's available. Right. And oh, right. the, the, you you need to do nothing but respond, react, you which see, is wait, acceptance. I'm sorry. Let me just go back to that. You see everything that's available. Yeah. That's the greatest thing because you're not living in lack. You're living in abundance. There's nothing that you have to bring to it. Absolutely. Everything's already there. Yeah. Everything is already there. It's not the offer. It's what you do with it. But everything's already there. So your, person, your partner saying nothing is an offer. The emotion, yes. the twitch of an eye, how they're standing on stage, are their feet together or apart? What's the emotional template that they're starting with? Like mm. everything becomes right. available. But if you're in in if you're not in service, if you're not making them look good, uh, if you're focusing on self, right. then everything is self-generated and you're going, I'm this person, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, if you're in a love relationship and everything you do is I'm, you're probably having a difficult time in connection in that relationship because there's no cross, there's no reaction response. It's all self-generated. I have um, um, a description that I use when I'm uh, trying to get this across to some groups where I feel that there's a lot of impro groups that believe in the philosophy of acceptance or saying yes and you know building on offers. But when you watch them play, they play like they're playing golf. So you get four or five people. They're showing up to the same game on the same field, they've all got their own clubs, and they play in parallel to each other. It's my turn to hit the ball, it's my turn to hit the ball, it's my turn to hit the ball, it's my turn to hit the ball. Now, that's a form of game, absolutely. And that generates something. Right. That's fine. For me, and the way I like to work, and where I live and where my soul is, it's tennis. That I don't know what's happening till that ball's coming at me, I don't know if it's short or long, fast or slow, a lob or, you know, and, and it's joyous. And then you go, I'm going to serve something to you. And maybe I serve it easy because that's what's needed now. Or maybe I'm going to give you a good old challenge and see what happens. God, there's everything, everything that you're saying. It's so funny. I feel so connected to you on so many levels. And I went to mm. your website and I was like, oh, your, your website is sort of like my website. Um, uh, yeah. Celebrating everything. It's really good. Um, there's so much There's so much in that. I want to pack. I wanna, I'm just so happy that it's talk to you. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> it's really cool. You know, because you're using the same language that I'm, you're using different language than, that I, than I'm using, but it's the same thing. Absolutely. Because I feel like the game of the scene is a list. I say this, you say that, I say this, you say that. When you say that, I say this, and when I'm done saying this, I'm not listening to what you're saying because I just want to think, what's my next thing in that list? Yeah. Okay? Then you say, it's like tennis, I call it volleying. I want to see Great. the volley. I want to see that volley. And here it is. This is what I want to watch. I want to watch 
a foot race where I don't care who wins. It no. just has to be neck and neck. If yeah. it's not neck and neck, then I don't want to see it. Yeah. So, and, and I think that it's, it's neck and neck. We determine, we determine the velocity of the velocity, velocity, mm -hmm. the velocity, that's the word. I'm sorry, I just went to the Virgin Airlines website and they're, <laughs> they're, 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 their club is called the Velocity yes. or something like that. So, and we're going, wait, is that the right word? So velocity is, uh, the velocity, so it can be a slow lob, but the velocity is still really intense. Yeah. And, and I, and, I go back to the show that I did last night with Lou, which was just so fun, mm. and I didn't know her, and I don't, you know, and, and it was just, I'm throwing something out, because a lot of the beginning, a lot of the scenes are like, I'm gonna throw this out and see what you do, because I don't know how you work. Absolutely, absolutely. And so here's the here's the volley. Yeah. How are you returning it? Yes, Oh, Response, you're returning it that way. Reaction. Right. That's right. the game, that's the contract. That's the contract, and that's, and, 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 and then if you make the offers in a way to make them look good, so you're going, I wonder what you'll do with this. Right. Instead of, I'm doing this. Right. Then there's a greater curiosity in the response and reaction of what they do with it because the contract now is, let's work together so that we're both in this place where we're not thinking, we're not planning, we're not producing, we're living the moment and breathing the moment and responding to the moment and creating based on that because that's the heart of the work. And regardless of what impro teacher or philosophy that you may or may not follow, it's really coming down to those basic principles. Mm -hmm. um, Joe Bill and I met, um, and it was actually interesting. We met, met in Austin and... At the Big Stinkin' or, or after that? Um, at the Out of Bounds Festival, Got, that's okay. Austin. Because right? they used to have a Big Stinkin' Improv Festival, it was called the Big oh, Stinkin' right. Improv Festival yes, years yes. ago. Did you do that? No, no. Um, but the Austin Festival was interesting because I had someone come up to me and go, oh, you're the Johnstone chick. I was right. like, what? What? Oh, no. what? what? <laughs> um, anyway, so people, you know, people are like, oh, Joe Bill's coming. I wonder what's going to happen when those two meet. Well, we just became best friends. Like, <laughs> you know, what? Um, so then we were at this festival in Würzburg and we said, um, okay, there's this whole thing about you know, are you close? Are you Johnstone? Are you Spolin? Are you Campbell? Are you, the, you know, and we said, why don't we do a show called Our Play? Campbell being like Joseph Campbell? Uh, Ken Campbell. Okay. Who taught a lot in the UK. I have a friend named Ken Campbell mm. who didn't teach at all. Yeah, I don't think it's the same person. No, it's clearly not no. the same. No. No. Go ahead. No. I think we can be assured on that contract. Yeah. I gotta, <laughs> there's a really good uh, Not My Finest Hour uh, that he didn't tell, but it was a really good story. He was doing, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was doing freeze tag at the end of a show, a Second City show, and then suddenly he tags somebody out, and they're about to respond, and he goes backstage. He goes backstage. It's like, he starts a scene, and then he just abandons it. And later on, he went, uh, Ken, what the hell happened? He goes, oh, I shit my pants. Um, <laughs> that isn't, I don't know that a philosophy would be, a, an improv philosophy would be following that no, premise, although it no. could. It but could. anyway, so it doesn't matter, Close, uh, Campbell. Yeah. So uh, okay. uh, Joe and I decided to do the show called Our Play. Mm -hmm. And we advertised it as, Joe Bill worked with Del Close. Mm -hmm. Patty Stiles works with Keith Johnstone. Can they work together? <laughs> right? So the audience was all improvisers. Right. Going, oh, what will happen? Right. In real time. Yes. And um, our rehearsal was just us telling stories about our teachers. Which was great fun. I love that. It was just us shooting the shit and going, ah, oh, really? So that's what Dell would do? Well, this is what Keith would do? And we learned, just like we're learning now, it's common language, different words. 
And also a little bit, you know, with Dell also being a performer or had performing, he, of course, would have a different interest than Keith, who is a playwright, right? So when you start putting that, you go, ah, you can start seeing the parallels and the slight differences at the objectives of what they were trying to achieve in their work. Fine. Everything's valid. Everything's good. So then we get on stage and we decided the first half was going to be Joe putting me through a Dell Close experience, whatever that was. And the second half was going to be me putting him through a Keith Johnstone experience, mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm, that was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in the first half, we're doing uh, a long form with multiple characters. And there's this moment that he takes a cha- two chairs and he sets these chairs and he sits down and he starts having a conversation with my character, but I'm not there. And I'm watching going, oh, wow, what's this? Hang on. You're talking to me, but I'm not there. Cool. Okay. And then he gets up. And I'm like, oh, obviously I go in. So I go in and I sit down. And I replay the conversation, but from the other point of view. And I see him out of the corner of my eye and his whole face dropped. And I'm going, did I just mess this up? Is this not what you assumed? I don't know what's going on, Mm -hmm. but I'm in. Right. This one I'm playing. Right. Afterwards, he went holy shit, I don't believe you just replayed the conversation with the other point of view. I said, well, what normally happens? He said, normally what happens is the person continues the conversation as that character. He said, you replayed it. And I went, but for me, it's the reaction and the response to what you've said that builds on the characters and the relationship of what we're doing. The pressure, the dynamic. Yes. Right. And it um, it was just a technique that we just saw slightly differently, right? But both work, right? And, they're, I didn't, and they get to different eight. I did ends. not expect you to do that. I, did, I would not have expected you to do that either. I just I would not have expected you to do that at all. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because Joe and I have our simpatico on so many levels. Yeah. And that going, I would have been on the sidelines going, oh, for fuck's sake, I didn't expect that at all. Mm. Um, I would have had different expectations than what. I would not have carried on the conversation. I would have wanted to have heard yours, not to replay that, but rather to have that character sitting there, your character sitting there, talking out and not not be that connected to what just happened. I would not have had that. That's awesome. Yeah. That is just awesome. It's just a different because I'm thinking everything you just said, I need to accept. Right. And the audience wants to know my character's response to everything you've said. So obviously if you're leaving, that's, why the chairs are still there is for me to go in mm. and now value what you've said mm-hmm. by showing the other, ca- like what we're doing is we're just putting a spotlight on one person and then the other person in the same conversation. He had a different technique mm. and it was just really interesting that our brains just had a different way of playing it. And I also love the fact but, that you guys left that the idea of there's a chair there, that chair was established as as this thing. Yeah. That's what that chair now means. Yeah. And to come in and and... I think a lot of so often I'll see a show and there'll be a chair that's just sitting in the middle yes. of the in the middle of the stage for the entire show and people are moving around it or they're bringing another chair or they're not using the chair and I'm thinking are because this is what it's all about like are you present with what are you present with what it is that we have are you accepting of what it is that we have yeah. so so the, and and here's another thing the communication that you and Joe had we don't need to hear it. Mm-mm. We just need to feel it. Yeah. So he didn't say, and now these two characters will sit in this chair. He no. just started a scene doing that, and I went, ah, right. Okay, I know the character you're playing. 
I know our past from the other scenes. You're having this conversation, obviously, with me. Mm -hmm. I'm just not there. Right. And now you're leaving. So now I must be there. Right. You know, so it was just a w different way of putting together. And here's a, an interesting thing about that, because we're just going back to dream. I'm thinking, were you there? Yeah, exactly. That could be the other thing. It could be him practicing a conversation. Right. Were you there? I don't know that we were there. Because yeah. the first line of dialogue doesn't set the scene. The second line of dialogue sets the scene. Or does the third line of dialogue set the scene? Absolutely. And then what we keep doing is we keep pulling back the camera to show really what's around that, which is what's around that, to say, to take the frame and to go, let's open up the, let's open up the, let's open up the, let's yeah. open up the. And if you're... And if you're living in that world that's of creative adjacency, so there's something that I created and there's something adjacent to that, and you get to know that there's something adjacent to that. Yes. And to say, the only thing that's stopping you from doing what it is, the only thing that's stopping you from taking that next step forward is you thinking that there's no next step forward. Yes. Or, I mean, I would add to that, the other thing that would prevent you from taking the next step forward is going, I don't know what the next step is which means you probably weren't present in the previous step. Because mm -hmm. if you were, it's already there. And here's another thing. If you don't know what the next step is, if you go, I don't know what the next step is, you get to say, I don't know what the next step is. Absolutely. And I think that a lot, of, and, and again, sitting in your class yesterday, and your class, my class, anybody else's mm -hmm. class, because we're dealing with truth and honesty and getting down to the nitty gritty of like, what are you feeling in this moment? What's your yeah. emotional content? A lot of people are being honest with, with, with their, their fears expressing their fears and their fears so often 95 but not 100 percent have to do with ego with what yes. you think who you who you think you need to be what who you think you need to be and who you think you need to bring into the space yes. because you don't need to bring anybody into that space if yes. you're yesterday there was yes. a scene that you did where a woman came in there were it was a killer you know, mm. and the woman was the actor. We don't know if they were playing a woman or a man. It was an actor. The actor came in and she just shot, like kept shooting, <laughs> kept shooting the hostage taker. Just kept shooting the hostage taker. And you could be a pacifist when you're not in this room. I mean, you could be a pacifist when you're out of here. Yeah. But when you're in here, the scene requires you to be in service too. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Um, sadly, I think there's... Um, and sadly, because it's it's not the way I choose to work. Um, I do think there's... Um, wait, what did you just say? It, it's not the, the way I choose to work. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Okay. Sadly, because it's not the way I choose to work, there's a lot of instruction that I think is happening in the improv world that instead of helping people be more relaxed, fearless, available... <clears throat> uh, really putting them in the spontaneous place where they can be in service to someone else, where they can make their partner look good, where they're actually open to seeing the physical, the emotional, to be aware of the verbal offers. I'd love to, to see it because it's there. Keep yes. going. To be uh, aware of the verbal offers, yes. Yeah, to be available to all of that. Mm -hmm. There's um, some technique and I think some approaches that actually is about building more walls and building more tricks and putting more pressure and this is not from any one philosophy. This is either people with um, maybe not a lot of experience who are suddenly teaching, um, or people that have three years experience, which really in three years experience, you're just kind of cracking open the egg, um, or people being misinterpreting what's there. Um, however, 
because these techniques or these teachers are out there, there's a lot of stuff happening that's damaging people before it's unlocking people. And people are trying to find these, these short-form rules and, and band-aids to solve things in the workshop room because it's an inexperienced teacher that doesn't know why the scene isn't working. So they start creating a rule to fix something which actually makes things worse. For example, I was teaching and um, had two people in a scene and one person came out and they started, I don't know, making a sandwich. They were doing something, I can't remember the specific, but they were doing some physical work. And the other person walked into the scene and just stood there watching, which is fine, but nothing was happening. And I could clearly see the second person had all these impulses going on. The person, the second person that walked in yeah. and watched the sandwich maker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but they had all this stuff going on, all these impulses, and they just weren't doing anything. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, uh, Freeze, um, it feels to me like you've got all these impulses of things that you would like to say or do or something, because you've entered the scene, so you're there for a reason. Um, what, why, why are you blocking yourself? And they said, oh, I'm not allowed to talk. I said, excuse me? And I'm, I, you know, quickly going, did I say that? You know, like, well, oh, yeah, did yeah. I set that I, up? I, you know what? It was so funny because as you're saying that, I'm thinking, wait, is this one of my students? And are they about to say something that I would you know. tell them? Yeah, and sometimes there's honest misinterpretation sure, in the classroom. Sure, sure. But this person said, but that breaks the rule. And I said, what rule? And they said, the rule is the first person on stage has to be the first person who talks. And I was like, aha. And I thought, now... There's someone creating a Band-Aid because you've probably had a lot of bulldozers where someone starts a scene and someone comes in from the sideline, bulldozes anything that was there, wasn't paying attention to anything that was being set up, had a clever idea offstage, came in, took over, dominated the scene. So now nobody wants to start scenes because they're always being belittled, By ignored, Alan. denied, squashed. Nothing in that is in service or make your partner look good. Nothing in that is acceptance. Nothing in that is watching, listening, presence. being available, presence. What that is is ego, fear, dominance, survival. Right. So putting a Band-Aid on to say the first person on the stage has to be the first person who talks just means those bulldozers are going to start every scene because you haven't actually found a way to change the condition that people bulldoze because they're afraid of not succeeding. So they're desperately trying to succeed. So you need to kind of work that to remove that fear or want or need. Otherwise, that person is just going to find more clever tricks. So what you're, what, 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 what you're saying is that particular teacher was in response, what that particular teacher was, was dealing with the symptom, not with the problem. Absolutely. And there's quite a bit of that I totally coming agree. out. I, my, my challenge these days is, is all the rules. All the mm. rules, and it's so. Well, oh my gosh! Again, there's just so much I want to be in response to what you just said. Um, all the rules, because I'm watching people, and we talked about it yesterday. Not be human mm. because the rules are yes. pushing them down. And I believe all those things that you said. There are people that are teaching. Um, you learn from Keith. I, but you learned before from you. You had teachers before Keith, didn't you? Not really. I went. Right from high school to the Loose Moose Theater. But did you, in high school, do any theater? 
Yes. Okay, good. Yes. That's where I'm going to. Yeah. That that may, it may or may not have been as iconic as Keith or whatever it was he was doing. Yeah. But you have a foundation of theater. Yes, and at the Loose Moose with Keith, it was a functioning theater company. Right. So we didn't just do impro classes in a course structure with you know level one, level two, level three. We were doing improv classes which were like rehearsals with Keith working on things that were happening on stage we were also applying that to script work developing script work performing Keith's plays and traditional plays and contemporary plays we were doing sketch work we were doing um, you know exploring different things we were doing masks we were doing stilts we were doing clowning we were doing children's theater right it was a functioning theater company right. and all of this was applied through that scope of we're creating theater absolutely and my thing is improvisation is act. All improv is acting. Absolutely. All of it's acting. Absolutely. And I think that what's happening, and and here's the thing, uh, Patty, the toothpaste is out of the tube. There's no getting it back in. Absolutely. And what? And so I'm not going to be the guy going, hey, you kids, get off my lawn. Um, <laughs> get I, out of my jello tree. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, I will say this. That doesn't work for me. Um, I will also say uh, that all those things that you said were... This is not to say that people shouldn't teach or younger people shouldn't teach that if you don't think if you think that you can teach don't this is be mindful that when that person comes on stage and bulldozes the note that I'm going to give is to that person not to everybody else and I'm not going to make it a law exactly which is why when I started saying it and sadly because it's not the work I like to do right because if that works in a situation that I never saw mm -hmm. for a particular group, whatever contract they have, I have no right to say what does or doesn't work for them. Sure. Or to limit anybody's exploration or development. Right. Um, so if the person who invented that rule is listening to this, then I go, okay, in that moment, in that room, you were trying something to solve a problem. I get that. I don't know if this solution solves the problem. Maybe it did that day, but hey, why not look at the other aspects around it? You may not agree with me. Totally cool. That's what happens in an artistic form. Uh huh. Um, yes. And I also, while you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, how many plays start out with somebody sitting and the person walking in and talks? Absolutely. You know, I think about. I always go back to Who's <laughs> Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the movie, and I think, I think that 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 the the shot opens up. You know, I mean, the, the first character that you see is Martha sitting there, and you hear George on the and go, Martha, we should get ready. They're coming, or whatever that's going mm. to be. And you go, Oh, he's off stage, and she's sitting there. Yeah. And there's another thing in real life, outside the space that we are in 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 the life that we are we are tasked or blessed to represent on stage. All that shit happens. Yes. And you again are not allowing. And this is where the you are not allowing. You are not allowing that 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 actor to be human. Absolutely. Or, or to be available to what they're sensing and feeling and seeing and absorbing in the moment. And you're noticing, you're noticing that that person is having a kinesthetic response to what's going on and they're not saying anything and you're going, what's stopping you right now? Yes. What's stopping you from being a human being? What's yes. stopping you? Absolutely. If, if you were on stage and you were comfortable being there watching the other person and you were just absorbing that moment and it was clear that you weren't fighting any impulse, then I go, okay. You're we're accepting just, the you're yeah. accepting the space where of what what's happening yeah. right now. So right now, you know, in in the terminology I would use, the platform of the scene is someone just watching this other person. We'll explore that. Right. You know, it could be a sandwich making class. 
Right. It could be you're about to leave your lover. Right. It could be... You're a ghost. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say ghost. Um, it, it could, could be, be our, you know, our time, noticing everything that's going Absolutely. on. People back in those days, they'd sit and make sandwiches. Absolutely. It can be anything. Right. But what I was observing was the improviser was clearly locked up and, and frustrated and, and, and felt confined. And in, in, in what we explore and do, why are you confined? Right. When you've got all these options. Ah, those options were taken away from you. Right. However, you came on because you sensed that the person on stage needed something. When they entered, I went, yep. Because it felt like the person on stage had just kind of cycled through an activity and they were just going to keep cycling through the activity. Right. And they needed something, so you came on to give that, but they weren't available to you and you're locked up and you can't do anything. And now it's at the point that the audience is actually uncomfortable because we're watching two people not communicate and there's no contract. Which could be fine if that's what it was that they were intending to do. Yes, and that wasn't. <laughs> I know. You know, and know. It's, it's really interesting watching this. And even, um, you know, like Keith, Keith says, ah, you know, there's rules at the beginning because they're like training wheels. And once you're actually playing without fear and playing without ego, you don't need those rules because those rules are there to help us remove the fear and to kind of get the ego out of the way so we can be creative individuals in a shared space doing the work. The rules apply when you got people who are performing from ego or aren't fearless and they're having a hard time. That helps to give techniques and awareness to start removing that. Um, a beautiful quote of Keith's, you know, the stage is a scary place. You can either remove the armor no, the stage is a scary place. You can either improve the armor or remove the fear. Right, right, and, right. And quite often, there are teachers who are working to improve the armor because it makes the teacher feel more successful when they see the students achieve a certain level. However, it kind of damages them once they get to intermediate because when they're at intermediate, they've actually been taught a system and they're just kind of cookie-cutting approaching. Oh, boy. And they're no longer available to the moment. Then they get hit with more experienced players and you're going... Where are you? Right. Where are you? You've come on with that character three times and you haven't witnessed anything that's happening. You haven't witnessed anything that's happening. You've come on three taught. times and you haven't witnessed anything that's happening because you've... Oh. But you've been taught <clears throat> to think of who you are, what you're doing, what's going on off stage, so that you can come on and be good. Right. Yeah. Now, yes, you're going to have impulses off stage. Yes, in certain scenes, maybe you need to make those choices. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, by applying that rule of you always have to know who you are coming in, stops you from the beautiful oh availability of having someone endow you before you even walk on. I, and I talk, I, I talk about that so much, the idea of I need you to tell me who I am. Yes. I need you to tell me who I am. And again, not my business card. I no. need for you to tell me who I am. Are you going to sit and watch me make sandwiches or are you going to get a, a knife? Yes. Are you going to sit and watch me make sandwiches or are you going to get, going to get some Glad Wrap and help me wrap the sandwiches? Are you going to cry while you watch me or are you going to whistle? Exactly. Are you going to pull out a chair and start tapping your foot? Right. Anything you do will give me something. And here's another thing. Are you just going to stand there? And here's another thing. That guy went, I don't know what to do. Yay! Absolutely. Say that! Yeah. Because even like the improviser going, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. If you're making sandwiches... Well, that says a lot about us, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And now you've got the relationship of someone just admitting they don't want to know what to do. Right. And, they, and the elephant in the room has been called a pachyderm in your area. Absolutely. I say we're the Santas of now town. <laughs> I love that. 
I love that. Just giving gifts all the time. Yes. And you just got, you you get to know, oh, that's right. That is a gift. That is a gift. That is a gift. That yeah. is a gift. That is a gift. And, I, and, and the people that you've worked with and the people that I, you know who I keep talking about mm. is, I bet you know him, you must know, Mike McShane. I, I, I don't think I've ever met Mike. Okay. All right. I played with him the other day. He's a large, gregarious person. He did Whose Line. I think he worked. I, he, I know he's worked. He's worked with Dan O'Connor, and he's he, like he's worked with Dan O'Connor and all those people. Oh, Mike, if I've met you, and I'm, I'm oh, that's right. zoning he, out you know, my don't apologies. Worry, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's yeah, I'm all gonna... okay. He's a guy that that will come in, and uh, my my improv partner Carrie Clifford, she couldn't make it one for one show, and I was like, okay, I'll call up uh, my friend Tracy Burns. And Tracy couldn't make it. And I go, well, I'll go for Mike McShane. And we have such a list of people that I feel like I want to want, I want, like, those are the people that will always be in service for me. And those are the people yes. that I want to play with. Because I know that no matter what, Absolutely. if I'm lost, if they're lost, they'll say I'm lost. Yeah. If they see I'm lost, they'll, they'll guide me to the fact that you know exactly where you are. Knock it the fuck off. Yeah. And those are the people that I love playing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's, um... The contract is so strong, getting back to what we were talking about, the contract is so strong and understood in how we're going to play, mm -hmm. which is we're both coming with everything we've got mm -hmm. today, right? Because today I might be a little more emotional than yesterday. Today I might be a little bit more hyper than yesterday. But I'm coming with you with everything I am today. And I'm embracing everything that you are today. And then we've got the shared space that we get to play in. And we get to play in that, and we will be able to play in that more fully if we're both honest and if we both trust and we've created that. Because then you can set two chairs and start talking and the other person doesn't go, what the hell are you doing? Right. I go, wow, what is this? Right. Because. And you leaned in. Yeah, because the, yeah, as I'm physically doing. Because the assumption is you're giving me a gift. The assumption is not you're trying to screw me up. Right. And it's really interesting mm. when you watch an impro company you know, a group of people, and you watch them on stage and you're going, everybody here is just trying to out-impro everybody else. Mm -hmm. Which, that may be your style and maybe you love it. I kind of feel sad because you're missing so much of the joy of actually not knowing. And and just having your Wait, partner... you're missing the joy of actually not knowing. Let's just take that right there, mm. going, there's joy in not knowing. Totally. It's a thing, you guys. And that's probably why people got hooked on impro in the first place, is that you got to come into a room... And make stuff up. And don't worry about what the consequences are. Because in real life, you can't, you can't, you think you can't do that. Yes. You actually just get to say tomato and it can be the best thing. Absolutely. Or you could tell somebody that you love them. Or you could say, I can't take your haircut. Absolutely. And you get to play in this beautiful, creative playground. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned something yesterday where you... Where you had you have an exercise that you hand out two pieces of paper to people and there are traits on that yeah and and what you uh, the one that that I got and this woman Angie got um, was something that you lifted from how to be how to be a proper woman in nineteen in the nineteen fifties is that right close um, it it was um, how to be a lady um, I'm sorry that yeah. is a very different thing yeah it's it, it's um, <laughs> Uh, an etiquette guide, Got how it. to be a lady, right? And then um, the same etiquette guide for how to be a gentleman. 
So what got me about How to Be a Lady, because we were in a, I was in a room chock full of ladies, um, was how much, it's very sad, how, how bound they were yes. from being. Yes. How bound they were from being. Yes. Now, to be clear on the lists, um, so that the, the listeners know, it didn't say on the list that you had, this list is how to be a lady. What it had was the physical things that I wanted you to do, but it didn't say that you were going to be a lady. But later we talked about yes. it and this, that's what got yeah. me. So is, in the experience, yeah. you're physically acting something that had been endowed as a behavioral structure on people. And then to have that thought afterwards of, wow, right, you know, I can't sit down until a chair. I can't go through a door until it's open. But you also, th- wait, that where you tilt your head. Yes. The idea that you can't tilt your head. And now we're not talking about the Japanese geishas who, mm. you know, are living that fundamental life, whatever yes. that would be. But we're talking about Americans or yes. North Americans, yes. Caucasians living in the 50s and being the rules in the guide. So again, I'm looking at it as rules in the guidelines of not allowing someone to be a human being. Yes. And there's actually video like 1950s video showing you how to do these things. So here's how a gentleman enters a room. Here's how a gentleman waits when a woman enters a room. Here's how a woman must sit. There's like all these guides and it's fascinating to watch this. Um, that, That exercise is actually a Keith exercise called Fast Food Stanislavski or the list game and it's in one of the books. Um, where he uses it for, um, I mean, you can use it for many, many things, but he'll, like, um, how, to be, um, how to be intelligent, uh, how to um, act sexy, um, how to act um, annoying, how to be the life of a party. And you just go through and you write out lists of how to do that, and then you give it to someone and they get to explore how to be the life of the party, but you've got these things, you know, laugh loudly, tell jokes, offer drinks, make everybody feel good. And they're active things that you can play. They don't have to be verbal things that you do. The scene could be about something else, but it gives you something active to play and you start exploring new characters. Um, so this was an extension of it, focusing particular on the work in the workshop. Oh, the rules, the rules, the guidelines, the rules, mm. those things. Yes. I was, I was, of course I know that, that that happens and of course that I know that that happened and I'm looking at in a way, women are playing catch up, but in a way, women are also saying, well, I'm not catching up to anybody. This is who it is that I am. Yeah. In terms of, so you've been doing this since 1983, is that what I yes. read? About the same time, where women were nurses and nuns and mothers, which are all great, mm. but when you had a scene that it was like, let's have the, wait, wait, the judge is coming, and a woman would enter, Everyone would laugh because why would there be a woman judge? Yeah, with a little bit of a different experience at Loose Moose Theater. Um, and I think part of that was often when we were performing, uh, say for example, we were doing theater sports, um, where a lot of people have misinterpreted theater sports. They think it's all short form games, and that was never the point. Um, it's actually creating theater. So the games were used as variety between the stories. Mm. Right, so if you had a long scene, you could play a quick game. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Keith would, <laughs> you know, we'd, we'd, 
you know, at intermission, we'd hear, there's no scenes of love and there's no scenes of politics. And why are you afraid to reveal anything? So the aim wasn't to be fast and funny all the time. The aim was to actually create improvised theater in a format that was um, going to elicit response from the audience because audiences, you know, don't often get passionate about theater. They politely applaud and leave. Right. Um, so Keith would be at a theater sports show and he might be directing or he might yell something from the back row or... So he would often set things up, you know, Patty, you're a court judge, right? So you actually had someone who was creating that awareness and freedom. Um, so I, I recognized that I probably played more mother roles, but I never felt limited by that because I was also being asked to play the court judge. Right. And there was, you know, it, I would guess that Keith was probably aware of that. He was probably aware of the signals. At the time... Aware of what? The signals of signals. if the guys always play the court. Got it. I don't remember him communicating that and saying, mm -hmm. now, look, we all need to be aware of this. Right. He was just oiling the machine so it became available so that we were just naturally doing it. Right. When, we, when I was starting out, it was, you know, Second City was five men and two women in a cast. Mm. And when you have five men and two women, there's the women really can't, they're ancillary, it seemed. Yes. It seemed and yeah. that's where I'm going, it's like, they're ancillary. And then when it was an IO, or Improv Olympic, back in 82, 83, 84, that sensibility still was there. Yeah. And I also feel like w women at that point, I don't think felt, that, felt the freedom to express themselves. Yeah. They did not feel the freedom to express their sexuality, to express their 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 to to be a strong person mm -hmm. who was just a strong person, mm -hmm. not a strong mom, not a cop, but a strong person. Yes. And as I'm watching this, and as I saw all these women last uh, yesterday afternoon, be in this class, it was just like, oh, we're in a totally different world now. It's yes. not a totally different world, but it's 85% of a different world. Yeah, yeah. And the the conversations are opening up to. A much larger scope of inclusion, uh, which I think is phenomenal, mm -hmm. and and um, the stage is open to everyone. And if we don't, if if it doesn't feel safe and open to everyone, then we've got a lot of work to do to make our partners look good. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> because where if it was truly open and available to everyone then we wouldn't need to be having these discussions and we wouldn't I mean, be really seeing are. where it's not. I think, I think it's, it goes back to the first line of dialogue doesn't set the scene, the second line of dialogue sets the scene. And uh, for me, I feel like the males of our population need to be educated as to what's happening, um, mm. as their obligation to that. And l yesterday I was watching people go, you know, I really try to do this, but there's, there's this guy these guys coming in and insisting that it be that it's like just relax everybody and let the scene be what the scene wants to be yeah i think some of that comes back to what we were talking about with trust and contract so if you're teaching in class everyone is equal remove the fear acceptance and then the work that's happening on stage is only a certain amount of people have the freedom to do that and the other people have to serve the other people it's not shared in service it's some sort of structure hierarchy. Uh, power, hierarchy power structure then you're actually breaking the contract that you're teaching and then it comes i think to the directors and the teachers to keep it authentic 
you know, you should, you should be teaching what you're performing or what you're going to ask them to perform. So if you know that once they get on stage, they're going to do X, then why are you teaching Y in the class? Because you're not helping anybody. Um, you know, and, and there's so many great impro slogans and they become great t-shirt slogans and you watch group after group not actually applying them. Mm-hmm. But when you chat with people, they'll have it. It's, it's still not making it into the work because, of course, once we get in front of the stage, the audience starts training us to deliver, and that puts us right back to the beginning right. workshop. So you actually need to have the conversations about what's going on in the work to keep the contract going, to keep it the, the machine oiled so that everybody goes, ah, oh, right, okay, yeah. So there might be bumps and bruises, but we have that trust and we have that contract and we're going to do this. I believe, I believe that a major part of that is what's your theater's mission statement? Absolutely. And to, and to be true to that mission statement. Absolutely. And to have all your teachers understand that we are in service to that mission statement yeah. that, that is either that mission statement. This yeah. is who it is. And, and then it goes back to this. Your mission statement is essentially your point of view and your scene. Yes. This is what I'm here to do. And the moment yeah. that we veer away from that, we go, okay, okay, all right, that happened. Yeah. What does that mean? Yes, absolutely. I'm amazed how few improvisers actually ask the question, what do I want to create? Or what is it I'm creating? Or why do I want to create this? Why am I here? Why am I here? Why do I want to do this? What's, what's, why has this attracted me? What inspires me about this? And so you get a lot of cookie cutter companies that are just, they see an impro show and they go, that's how you improvise. And so they formulate it exactly like something else they've seen. Now, if that's truly what inspires you, if you go, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to have five people and I want the chairs to be red and I want the... Okay, all right. Um, however, if you're going, oh, that's impro, and you're just cookie-cuttering it, then you, you need to read and look and research because that is a impro. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it is not the impro. Um, and we need to hear your voice. I yes. need to hear your distinct voice. Absolutely. Because your distinct voice... You're, you, you, okay, so, the, so so teachers at a school are training a bunch of people to have a distinct voice, right? I don't know if they are. Well. I think there's a lot of teachers teaching the students to follow the corporate line. I'm living in a perfect world. Okay, okay? great. And I'm I living like in that a perfect world. world. I'm living in a perfect world where, where that's that, that perfect world. I, I totally agree with you. Mm. And I feel like the temptation for me to start a school would be... I'm, I don't want to do that because I don't want to. I don't want to codify what I'm doing. Mm. I want to have the freedom to go. This is this, and yes. this is what I'm feeling now, and I'm here to change. And my students tell me what to do. The audience doesn't tell me what to do. Yes. I'm watching my students yes. shine, and when I see somebody having a challenge, I want to go. I could craft a. I could craft something for you, specifically yes. for yes. you in this moment. Do me a favor. Don't you? Don't be the first person to talk. Yeah. And it's just that's what it is at that moment. Absolutely. And. Uh, but I think that what's happening now is people are teaching, people are in response to echoes. They're in response to something that happened a long way ago, and they're not asking why. Why? Yeah. Um, they're teaching yes and, and I feel like, you know what's the root of yes and? No. That's what the root of yes and is. No. Okay? So when I say no to you on stage, so we say, you have to say yes and, you have to say yes and, you have to say yes and. It's like, in life, I don't say yes and. In life, I say, 
I'm scared of whatever that's going to be. Yeah. So if you ask me to do something and I say no, I'm saying no to the character. I'm not saying no to the actor. Yes. And so when Peter go, yes, and, or a new teacher goes, yes, and, and I'm like, what? That doesn't feel right. And then yes. they stop being human because yes. they start working from that, talking about someone that's not there. Who the fuck doesn't love talking about someone who's not there? Yeah. 95% of all yes. conversation. We've done it. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it affects us and our conversation, right? But if we're just talking about someone else and describing someone else and what they're doing, and we're not actually having any interaction, then you know, you know, why? Right. Well, because we're we're the theater. Right. So the audience wants to know why they're listening to us talk about that person, mm-hmm. and even if if there's little emotional reveals about how we feel about that person. Or, you know, that person becomes metaphoric about our relationship and maybe the audience sees into that. Holding on to a point of view of that. Exactly. That mm-hmm. could be fine. Right. But if we're just describing someone else because we're afraid of doing anything. Right. Oh, right. Again, at the, at, the, at the foundation of it all is that idea of fear. The yes. idea of I'm bringing my fear in. I'm bringing myself in. And what I say to my students is the moment that you walk into the class, there's some things that aren't allowed in my class. Mm. You know, the, the things that are not allowed in my class is um, your history, mm-hmm. yourself, your personality, and your ego. Yes. And your ego is wrapped up in all those things. And if you want to know how to leave your ego outside, think of the worst picture that you have of yourself. (laughs) And don't bring it into the room. Great. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I need you to, I need you, I need you to push back. I need you to not be polite. Yep. I need you to do that thing which creates great theater no matter where it is. And Absolutely. I think at the foundation of everything that Keith is doing, and I also have to say, and I, I, haven't, I, I didn't even think that I was going to talk about this, but I got to tell you, I don't, every great teacher I know has a dog-eared copy of Impro of Keith's book. And I remember going, his section on um, status yeah. It's, there's never been one written better than that. And oh. that was the, the moment that I'm reading that status, I'm going, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with theater. This has to do with self. Yes. And yet, who are we putting on stage? Characters. And what are the characters? People in life. So it makes sense that we have to look at how we operate and who we are and how we function and how we relate to be able to have that authenticity when we're creating those characters on stage. So... If you're going to be on stage, you, you, you need to do that work and that availability. That it, it, but wouldn't you be curious? Like, I'm curious because if I'm going to be on stage telling stories about people, I'm, I'm curious about people. That's kind of a part of it, you know, and, and a huge joy. When you were saying about Yes And, I don't actually teach Yes And. Mm, neither do I. And partly because it's become a cult. It's, it's, the, it's the theater equivalent of have a nice day. Yeah, or Nike just do it. You know, like it's it's become this weird slogan that has a really good reason why it was created. And its original application, I think, made a lot of sense. Um, Training wheels wise. Yes, absolutely. And the fact that, you know, people will, the application of it is the problem. You know, so someone will go, uh, let's have a picnic. Yes, and I'll get the car. Okay, we've already left picnic. <laughs> But you'll like, say, yes and, right. so I've done the game right, tick, and I'm going, we haven't valued the picnic. Right, so we haven't valued the picnic. Let's get the car. Yes and I'll get our coats. Right. Okay, so, so we totally left the picnic now. And the car. Yeah, yes and it's raining. Right, now we're not going to have the picnic at all. Right. Because it's raining. 
right? So you're actually creating all these roadblocks and you haven't honored any offer. All you've done is created an avalanche of ideas. Now, maybe in some work, someone likes that and that's what they want to do and that's what they want to explore and they find that it opens up other doors. Fine. For me, I just go, can't, can't we deal with Picnic? Right. There's so many things we can do with Picnic. Right. Why, why, why are we in the rain now? Um, and, and, that, and there was a scene yesterday where a woman said, uh, uh, she said, you shouldn't go outside. It was that horror movie. Yes. And she said, you shouldn't go outside. And then the next line, and her next beat was, oh, well, you got to, like, what happened to you don't go outside? Yeah. Yes. Would you respect that? And you also said the phrase repetition. And I'm really huge into repetition. Mm. Really, really huge into repetition. Because repetition says, I'm honoring what you said. I'm honoring what we're doing. And I'm still going to honor it until an, an honorable comes down the pike. And then I'm going to grab onto that. Yes. And there's so many ways that you can honor that. Right. Right. You can honor that one thing. So many yes. ways. Let's go to a picnic. Yes. Um, I'll get the car. Fine. You know what your job is? You know what your point of view is? Get the car. It's going to be a great picnic. I think the car's in the parking lot over there. This picnic is going to be yeah. in the Hall of Fame of picnics. Um, what? Jesus, what kind of car do I... I can't remember what kind of car I have. Here's the picnic basket. There's the car. Let's go. Right. <laughs> now, now you've got the basket and the car. They're right. together. Let's get there. Right. You know. Um, and then so, I get to say things like, I don't really want to go on a picnic. And, you go, and there then comes the block. For that particular storyline. Now, it could be about why you don't I want say to go a to block a in a good way. I would mm. say that at that moment, I'm going to be honest with you and go, I don't want to go on a picnic. Yes. So it, it blocks the forward movement of the picnic. It doesn't block the forward movement of the relationship. Absolutely. And this is why, um, like, I don't ever remember Keith teaching us you have to say yes and don't say no. What I remember <clears throat> is him saying, accept the offer. Right? Accept the story. So uh, accept the story. So if I hold, and I, I use this example, uh, if I hold a gun up and say, I'm going to kill you, and you go, yes, you've blocked me. You've actually right? removed the you seriousness didn't. of the offer, my character, everything that's happening between us. But you said yes. So on the checklist of how I'm going to improvise, you've done the right thing. However, you have not accepted anything. You have not accepted the availability of the scene, the danger of the scene, the emotional context that you're in, my character, the status, the threat. I, I want to say, I would say yes. If you said kill me, I would say yes. Because I would go, that's the last thing you expect me to do. Mm. However, you, just right then when you did it, you said yes as a threat, and you actually altered your oh, body yeah. language to yeah. go, I dare you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's different. I get it. Because you've actually given me the offer back of, I don't believe you're going to do it. That's exactly it. And at that moment, it's about the two of us. Yeah. It's about, uh, it's about, the, it's, it, it's about the two of us. Yeah. And, and you know what the scene's not about? You killing me. Now, if I do, if you go, I don't think you will, and I shoot you. Oh, Jesus. We can do that. Because... Right. Now, but I feel like you did. Why did you shoot me? <laughs> but you can ask that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, or if if yours, you've got all this bravado, and you, you're not going to kill me, and I kill you, or you shoot me, or I shoot you, and right. you're suddenly feeling pain. Right. That's going to be a response in your character. Right. I don't, but I won't die. See, 
And when you said, I would say yes because you don't expect it, I would shoot you because you wouldn't expect it. Great. Lovely. But you wouldn't kill me because I still want to do the scene. I want to see your choice. Right. Lovely. I'll shoot you and see what happens. Right. And, and what we're also talking about here is, uh, mm, I'm going to be careful, but I'm still going to say it, a sophisticated level of, 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 of agreement. Absolutely. And the sophisticated level of agreement is all about the volley. It's also about the Dell versus Keith thing, but not specifically. Yeah. It's about your approach is that, my approach is that, and then you get to go, geez, yeah. he did that. And underneath it, I know that if I go, I'm going to kill you, and you go, yeah, go ahead. I know that you've just... You've laid down a tasty, moral thing for me. Now I've got to make the choice if I'm going to kill you or not. Or shoot you. Right. I say kill. Right. The action is shoot. Right? So if you lay that down, that gives me, something, that gives me a pushback. Am I going to do it or not? That's the mystery for the audience. That's the question for the audience. Absolutely. Now, the scene could be about will I. The scene could be about won't I. Or the scene could be about I do. And now how does that affect you? Because at this moment where you say, go ahead, the scene is about our relationship. Well, the product of improvisation is the process of improvising. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not about getting to the... It's, it's about the anticipation of the gun going off. Mm. It's not about the gun going off. And if the gun goes off, then it's about the dynamics of what happened. Like, you've been wounded. Right. Jesus Christ, you shot me. I told you I was going to shoot you. Yeah. I didn't think you were going to shoot me. What do you don't think? Like, yeah. you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it? And that's our problem. You Love never it. believe me. Right! Our whole relationship, you've never believed that I would ever do what I said I was going to do. Right! Well, now I've proved it. God damn it, there had to be another way to do that other than shooting me. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, what we're still doing is we're accepting the story, which is the relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? So, in the example I'm giving where someone goes, Yes! They're actually not accepting the relationship no. or anything about it. Right. But they're saying a happy, positive yes, because that's what they were taught oh to do. Oh, boy, right? So they're, they're uh, applying a technique that they've been, you know, trained like Pavlov's dog to do with no awareness to any of the offers that are happening. So the yes actually becomes the block. Right. The, actual, actually, the, the yes actually stops anything from happening. Um, where if they did say, no, please don't, they're saying no, which in their checklist is not what you're supposed to say. But it is yes. Exactly. So we have to say yes, or we have to accept what's going on in the story. And sometimes the story is the relationship. And sometimes the story is the action. And sometimes the story, we don't know till we get a couple of offers in and we go, ah, this is about the relationship. Ah, no, this is a chase scene. Ah, right. you know, because it's, it's you know, you're peeling back the layers of the onion, each offer, each tennis volley. That's where it's being discovered. And that's where the problem of rules come in because mm. there are so many options and for you to have a rule for each one of those options, someone is going to, uh, not options, but facets or offers. Yes. There's so many different offers that you go, wait, what kind of scene is that? And yes. David said that, and how do I, con Keith said yes. that, and how do I codify it? At UCB, it's it, 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 yeah. all that. Like, what, what, what? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things like the, the, the who, what, where, um, which um, I think is a very helpful technique. I don't think it should be a rule for every single scene. I agree. Because what about an amoeba? Right. <laughs> Why can't you just have someone on stage sitting and do a voiceover as an amoeba? Right. Uh, how about this? 
an amoeba is making a sandwich. Great. And we don't know it's an amoeba till later. Absolutely. So if you if you start the scene with who, what, where, who, what, where, who, what, where, all the time, you're removing discovery. I feel like it's the beginning of a shitty sitcom. I believe that nobody wants to watch that. Absolutely. Hey, Carla, thank you so much for coming down to the basement hotel bar that I have here in Boston. It's really lovely that you came in. I hope your your boyfriend, Nelson. Nelson, what are you doing for yeah. her? Yeah. Hey, John, so great to see you. Please come on in. Do you like what I've done with the living room? I'm sorry that Sally broke up with you. Oh, my God. Right, okay. Oh, my okay. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why don't you just hand me the script? That's exactly how I feel. And which one of those fucking offers do I want? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take the first offer. Yeah. Hi, John, step into my my apartment. It's like, what? Yeah. I'll tell you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we just start with you're looking at me? Right. Right. <laughs> how do I feel about you looking at me? How are you looking at me? Yeah. Now, maybe in a night, if all the scenes have been explorative and random and there's been... You know, a logic that's a little bit more based in hallucinogenics than concrete, then you might need to have a scene where you go, Jim, thank goodness you're here. The plumber didn't show up. Because then you got, you know, you, you, you get different scenes with, and you're using different gears and different tools, which is necessary for the improviser and for the audience. Isn't that interesting too, the idea that we're using different gears that we that those of us who have improvised for so long go, in that one show, I did this kind of scene and that yeah. kind of scene and this kind of scene and that kind of scene. Absolutely. And the awareness of, like I, I kind of use the thing of, well, I'm playing in your sandbox. So, you know, what's, what's the game in this sandbox? If, if I'm playing in your show, what's the contract of this show? What's the, what are we doing here? And I shift my gears for that. You know? I gladly shift my gears. Absolutely. I fearlessly shift my gears. Absolutely, because that's the joy. You know, if someone says, would you like to play, and you go, yes, then the joy is embracing that experience. Um, I, I don't do a lot of warm-ups pre-show. Neither I'm, do I. I, I stretch. The warm-up that you did, that you talked about, about talking about, the rehearsal that you had talking about teachers and that experience with Joe, it's like, mm. that's kind of what this is. Yeah, a chat, a connection. Right. Um, right. You know, I like sometimes just to stretch to just get my remind myself of each limb. Um, you know, if I'm, I'm if I'm having a hyper day, I'll do something calming. If I'm having a really slow day, I'll do something. But that's my job as an actor to prepare, so I'm available on stage. Now, I'm not saying that you don't do warm up games. Some people need them, um, but it's interesting how the warm up games tend to be building frustration, panic, and fear games. Where right. there's all these high delivery things, and then people walk on stage and they're just not seeing, hearing anything, and within 15 minutes they're exhausted because I've just spent 45 minutes running in circles and or winding doing, or each doing other a up. stupid pattern game that goes that has nine patterns in the pattern yeah. game, and you tuck, I tuck, and I'm going fuck it. Yeah. And you did one, you did warm up yesterday that was just the slap your hand thing. Yeah. Just slap your hand. Yep. And and and. I use that exercise uh, a fair bit, depending on the workshops, because one, it immediately has contact. So you're actually touching someone. Um, you're actually hitting someone, which is weird. Right. But it does build in permission. Right. And play. Right. And contact. Mm -hmm. um, it's not an impro game, so I'm not putting anybody on delivery mode. That's huge. That's really huge. I'm just getting people to connect. Right. To touch. To feel. Right. However, I am saying, hey, hang on, make it fun for the other person. It's not about you achieving a goal which is the mentality 
that I want people in when we're into something discovering, like we were doing it yesterday with those characters, because I don't want people to feel that they have to perform the characters well. I just want you to be discovering. Oh my God, right? I just want you to be watching each and other. Also, the acceptance of who it is that you are in that moment and the job that you did was really a marvelous job. Can you say that you really had a good time? I think that you asked somebody that. Yeah. Or like, you know, the idea of like, how did it feel? Did you have a good time? Yeah. Right. Yeah, how, how was it for you? How was it for you? Because um, they might have an amazing experience and I could see the other characters or players didn't. Okay. Um, but that's good to know. Right. Or I can see that, you know, you can often see that people are working, but you don't know if they're working kind of like, wow, this is really cool, or working like, I don't know what to do, because that can be the same face for mm -hmm. some people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, often I just want people to start learning to trust, to visualize their own feelings and be honest about it, because we don't have a lot of honest communication in the impro community, I feel. Um, I feel we've, we... Um, Probably gonna have a lot of people get pissed off, but eh. um, I feel we have a, a lot of bullshitting of each other, and and that, again, that's an ego thing. Um, How does it manifest itself? Um, people going, "Yay, that was really fun! You were really funny," and not meaning it. Um, feeling that we we have to do that. Well, you have to. You have. You know, we have to be yes and, and we have to really support each other. I don't feel supported when someone's lying to me. I don't feel supported when someone's bullshitting me. And I also know when you're not telling me the truth. Absolutely. And I know the work I've done on stage. So I already have a framework within my own experiences and what I'm aiming to achieve and whatever contract I have with that particular group and show, if we hit the mark or not. Um, and I don't expect everybody to like what I do. It's theater. It's life. We're human. That's not going to happen. Right? Um, I expect everybody to support my right to do whatever work I want to do, but I don't expect everybody to blindly just like what I do. And it's actually interesting if someone doesn't like the show that I've done to be able to go, why? You know, um, there's, there's a show uh, I do with uh, Derek Flores and Roman Nicholas called Mr. Fish and His Spooky Library of the Impro Macabre. Very long title. Um, and our tagline is, Laughter is easy, fear is riskier. And we play in the world of Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe, Grimm's fairy tales, and our whole thing is about creating suspense. And the stories get quite dark. But we create it and we break it. And then we create it and we break it. And we create it and we break it. And I know that there's some people in the audience that they find that very challenging, and they probably don't like the subject material, and it's very uncomfortable. That's theater. <laughs> but that's our aim. And if you don't like that, that's fine. I would like to know why. Was it that we were lacking in a particular skill or area and we kind of, we didn't deliver something for you? Or is it just subject material that's uncomfortable for you? Or did we get kind of caught in our own darlings and we forgot what we were doing for a moment? Um, Information will help me process and make choices Honest and information. learn. Honest information. Honest response. Absolutely. Um, and we don't we don't often have that form of availability um, right. for it. Um, we, have, we, we have we we haven't trained we haven't trained people to give it either or how to express it. Yeah, I mean, we always do notes at Loose Moose. We always did notes after every show. <clears throat> that was the contract. You did the show. You helped clean up. Everybody came into the theater and we did notes. And um, the notes would be, you know, um, you know, the temperature of the theater, the lighting. It would be about lighting, it would be about sound, it would be about the technical of the work, it would be, yeah. 
like you do when you do a play. You know, you get notes from the director. Mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't hear this, and I think we missed some lines there, and the blocking was off on that. It's information to help provide perspective and awareness of the craft. And we would get those notes. And through getting the notes, you actually start forming a way of talking about the work. That's not about the ego and the individual. It's about the work. Right. You know, and, you know, so Keith might go, well, tonight's show couldn't be saved. Whoa. See you next week. And we'd all go, yep, fine. Because we knew Keith never, ever would doubt us. And that wasn't a personal statement on us. He knows that sometimes it's not going to work. Right. And he's okay with that. Right. But he's not going to come in and go, hey, guys, look, that was a really great show. Right. I uh, can tell you're feeling flat, but i got to tell you the audience loved you. Right. Because what do we learn? We learn that mediocre and is, is good. Right. We also learn our instincts are wrong. Right. And that we can't trust our director. <laughs> right. As opposed to? Tonight didn't work. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and within that, you know, he'd go, well, tonight was very funny. However, I don't think the audience will remember much of it tomorrow. Ooh. Um, and it's true. Sometimes when a show is really funny, we have a great time, but what do we recall? Right. Because what we recall is moments that we feel or that we're challenged. Right. That we have a moment that our brain kind of goes, what's that? Or right. what would I do? Those are the things people would chew on afterwards. And he would always say, we need, it. We need to get at least one a night. Something that in the bar afterwards, they're going, if you were in that situation, what would you do? Right. And You only get that if people don't stick to the surface. Yes. So getting the notes would constantly remind us, hang on, let's not go down the rabbit hole of just fueling our ego <clears throat> with audience laughter. The contract of this show and what we're trying to achieve here in the mandate of this company and the work that we do Yes, let's have, a, have some fun times and some good, funny scenes. However, we've also got the flip side because we're trying to create an evening that has a lot of different tones and textures. And you have to trust yourself. Absolutely. <sighs> okay, let's stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank we you so could go much. on forever. I know. Everything I you're it. saying, it's like, oh, I want to talk more about that. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It's always nice to have a reminder that by just looking around and seeing what's here, you'll know what to do. <laughs> Thank you, Patty Styles. But before Patty's segment of Not My Finest Hour, here are my workshop and performance comings and goings. July 15th through the 17th, I've got workshops in Christchurch, New Zealand. Yeah, I'm still down here. July 29th through the 31st, another weekend workshop. This time it's in Auckland, New Zealand. Our improv drop-ins start again August 17th in Hollywood, California. It's Rosowski and Clifford at I.O. West on August 18th. If you live somewhere, chances are I'll be teaching there. Check it out at davidrosowski.com. ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski is produced by Laura Parker and me. Like our show? Give us some love on iTunes, won't you? Send questions and comments to dave at addcomedy.com. And now, Patty Styles segment of Not My Finest Hour. What was that? Um, high school graduation, which I think a lot of us do very stupid things. Um, in Alberta, or maybe in other places as well, you have your graduation ceremony, and then there's an after party. And often the after party is like on a ranch or a farm or somewhere. 
And so ours happened to be uh, in a camping area just near the Rocky Mountains, like on the, the base of the Rocky Mountains. So we were all bussed in, which is great. And the party is going on. And I'm having a great time. And next thing I know, I'm waking up. <laughs> and I'm, my back is on the ground. And my legs are on either side of a tree, <laughs> like this massive tree. And I'm laying there. And I sit up, and I rub my nose, and there's blood. And I look behind me, and there's skid tracks of my feet. So at some point, and then I kind of get up, and I stagger to my tent, and I sleep. The next morning, I find out that in my party mode, I, one, challenged the whole senior football team to a game of football with me against them, to which I proceeded to play with me running around them, <laughs> and them like trying to tackle and not, but just dealing with this crazy hyper girl. I started doing Star Wars movies because I had this coat on with this hood because it started raining and I thought it was Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm -hmm. and that became my thing. And then at some point I said, oh, I've got to go pee, and I never came back. And what happened was I got to the top of a hill, lost my balance, and clearly slid into a tree and then back and woke up laying there, <laughs> spread eagle on a tree. Uh, <laughs> oh, and the blood, did the blood scare you? It's, yeah, it did scare me. Uh, luckily, nothing was broken or anything. Right. Um, I love that nobody came to find out where no, you were. No, And I was just laying there in the rain with a tree between my legs. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely say that wasn't my finest hour. <laughs>